Hi, this is the Organisational Success Academy from the Oxford Review, bringing you the very latest research in leadership, management, organisational development, design, transformation and change, human resources and human capital, organisational learning, coaching and work psychology from around the world to make you the most up-to-date and knowledgeable person in the room. Hi, uh, and welcome back. Um, Today we're with uh, Guy Lubitsch, um, who's written with his sister, which is very interesting. So this is Dr. Guy Lubitsch, um, with his sister, um, a, a really interesting book called Connect. Um, and I'm really interested and really looking forward to having a, a, a chat about you about um, some of the principles in the book, which I found absolutely fascinating. So welcome. Um, can you just introduce yourselves, uh, introduce yourself, um, give us a little bit more about your background, what you do and what kind of prompted you writing this book? Right. So thank you, David. It's great to be here and thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm a tutor in a business school and also a coach. I've been uh, there now over 20 years uh, in this area of organizational development, change and leadership. And um, uh, three years ago, I I've decided to get on my sister that it was time to share our combined experience. She's a psychologist in the US, a clinical psych psychologist. So we decided to combine her interest in individuals in a, in a clinical setting and my organizational experience and the combined 50 years of our joint professional work is to reflect on relationships and, and connections. Um, the, in terms of the what prompts us, uh, we've both realized that both in a clinical setting and also in organizational setting, what counts most is relationships. So when you talk to leaders, they, they are less worried about technical issues, they're more concerned about how do I get on with my boss, how I, resolve an issue with a complicated, complex colleague? Uh, how do I set collaboration across organizational boundaries and silos? So it's mainly down to relationships we found. Also in a clinical setting as well, the chemistry between the, 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 the therapist and the patient or client is key for success. And also we know from studies in the US that the number one derailment of executives is the issue of forming relationships. So executives normally, if they derail, it won't be around technical issues. It'll be around their EQ, their emotional intelligence, their ability to form relationships, their, um, um, their self-awareness, ability to read the room, and so on. Th those are the issues usually that derail uh, executives and that has a, a, a massive organizational cost and individual cost and of course finally that, that we wrote it before covid and uh, loneliness was very high at the workplace even then the numbers were 68 percent of loneliness and uh, so very high uh, of course now in COVID, during COVID it's become even higher so it is the time to connect so it felt timely Yes, and it, it, it is, and, and, and it always amuses me in organizations because they call them soft skills, and yet from a, an executive's point of view, an organizational point of view, relationships seem to be the hardest thing to get right, yeah. which yeah. is, yeah. Um, and this, there's so much in this book, and we're not going in such a short space of time to be able to kind of do more than cover some of the main concepts and ideas for Im improving relationships. Um, but before we delve into the book a bit more, um, can you just talk a little bit about um, connections between the quality of interpersonal relationships and things like well-being, success and performance, work engagement and things like that? Right, so the Gallup is doing a yearly survey and it shows with, with no question, it's very, very clear the relationships there between business performance, productivity and relationships at work. So they look at 190 countries, 40 sectors, 
range of organizations and, and the, 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 the data is very clear that if you look after employees, if you have strong connections, relationships at work, it will impact bottom line, uh, profitability and, and customer satisfaction. We also know that companies like Google and Netflix uh, put uh, real effort in this area, in particular in terms of trust. So Google gives 20% of time for employees to work on innovation projects. That sends a signal of trust and in the, in the, in, in they uh, actually they can, if they look at their innovation pipeline, a lot of it is down to those 20% that employees have the, uh, the choice on what to work on. Uh, in Netflix, you, you're also given a lot of freedom uh, and and the, the idea is that you, you act in the interest of Netflix. Uh, management does not micromanage. It leaves employees to make choices, make decisions about their times, trust them to do that. And that, of course, shows in, in, in their staff survey and, and productivity results and, and innovation and all the rest of it. One great example that I really like recently is the comparison between Costco and Walmart. Right, so Costco uh, is known um, as being better than Walmart in terms of healthcare benefits, uh, better pay, uh, much uh, 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 better culture in terms of treating employees and, and, and thinking about relationships and morale and satisfaction. Walmart, as we know, is less good at that, to say the least. Uh, poor pay, no benefits, and, and so on. And over 15-20 years, you will see that Costco beats Walmart on every measure in terms of profitability, customer satisfaction, and so on. So uh, I think we have the evidence for that. Yes, I think it makes a lot of difference. And certainly things like um, building trust in organizations between leaders and well, what we call LMX, leader member exchange, um, and, and between co-workers has a significant impact on things um, like um, citizenship behaviors, these kind of um, the, the kinds of activities that people engage in on a voluntary service in order to help the organization as well. And, and trust is coming out as a certainly across right across the the band of research that we're seeing trust is coming yeah. out as a, a, a key attribute yeah. in any organization and I absolutely, think absolutely. relationships mm. underpin that you know we can only trust through a relationship yeah sure sure I, I, I absolutely agree and the book supports that and uh, mm. And it's it's an important uh, piece. And interestingly, I it's very strange for me. I think leaders um, uh, still ignore this at times. The, the importance of trust. Uh, maybe we'll come on to that later. Uh, well, I, I think we will right now, actually, because one right. of the things that you mention in the book is is the tyranny of the tangible and what it is that executives and organizations tend to focus on and what they, they kind of forget. So can you just talk us through this idea of the tyranny of the tangible and how it relates to kind of relationships in work? Right, so my experience of leaders is that, and in particular, I think during COVID at the moment, is that it's easier to look at KPIs and measurements. So it's, uh, as a leader manager, it's, uh, uh, more uh, tangible, easier, less hassle to look at a spreadsheet, to focus on KPIs uh, and, and, and um, avoid perhaps a conversation about how we feel at the moment, the fact that our business model perhaps be, uh, is changing, our strategy is not clear to us. There's a lot of emotional, difficult, strategic business issues that are highly emotional they are intangible but management at times prefers to focus on on what they can see uh, rather than delve into the messiness of relationships and so on so this is uh, and we call it the tyranny of tan the tangible because it is a tyranny and, and it, what what happens is uh, it's um, it stops honest conversations i feel at times on how we feel, what should we do, uh, how can we build that trust uh, further, how can we create a better uh, 
uh, environment. And, and also, um, just to bring it more to life, I, I think sometimes uh, senior management teams are very capable and smart and, and bright, confuse sending an email with, with communication. Of course, uh, email is uh, only a starter. What you do need is to engage people with their emotions, with their whole self, and, and uh, not just um, drop a line and expect uh, people to follow or engage. That, that's not inspiring. Uh, yes. Know, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's this 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 focus on the figures, the numbers, um, particularly on profitability, and forgetting yeah. about the human beings that are making this thing possible. And and John Adair years ago, like in the '60s, was talking about this different difference between um, task and process, and this idea of the the three interconnecting parts of task, the individual, and the team, and that that those the relationships between the individual and the team and the relationships between people and the relationships they have with themselves it's a bit like an iceberg tend to be below the surface and tend therefore yeah. to get forgotten whilst most of the most of the focus is on the stuff that's above the line that's above the water um yeah. and yet it's the it, it's the individuals and the teams and the relationships between those that actually supports the doing of the task. Exactly, exactly. Well, that, that's the fuel, isn't it? That's mm -hmm. the fuel. That that's what really um, makes people connected, willing to walk the extra mile. It's that's it's right. around there, underneath the surface that will make it work. And uh, and the tendency is, is yeah, as you were saying, is, is to. Um, look at on the surface and avoid uh, discussions that may make you feel also more vulnerable. Uh, so when That's you're right. armed with data and spreadsheets, you, you, uh, you feel more secure. The more the moment we delve, as you were saying, under the surface, we we go beneath the surface. We we go into the unknown. Uh, and the messiness of emotions and, and and we have to make ourselves more vulnerable we have to admit that we don't know everything we have to acknowledge our own feelings and that's a different uh, story that's different ball game it's, it's yeah, well, that, that mm. starts to challenge our view of ourselves as a leader this idea that we know everything and that we need to know everything as a leader idea of status and a whole series of other things yeah. that, that that delving into those kind of yeah. dark recesses kind of um, sorts out. So um, what kinds of things stop us from connecting and forming trusting relationships, do you think? Right, so we already touched on it, but what I would add is that uh, uh, when we are talking about uh, uh, relationships, there's a, a fine line between the work and the personal. Mm. And walking that boundary is tricky. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, one difficulty. That's mm. that, that's uh, tough. And, and I'm also wondering. I don't know what's your view, David, but the, the, the remote working as well has made it, I think, very or more difficult to 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 form relationship. We hear managers saying it, it's more difficult to seek help. If when we are in an office environment, you can turn to a colleague and say, "Oh, you know, how how do how do I do that?" Or you can seek help more easily. People say that even calling IT or emailing IT, they feel embarrassed and unsure. Let alone other issues that I'm concerned with. I, I'm, I'm at home, so I will be lonelier, and, and 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 sometimes people don't have the skills as well to uh, seek help and also the water cooler conversations, you know, those informal conversations, right? That are such an important aspect of work. We miss on those. We, we, we don't have that informal knowing who's in, who's out, what's going on. Uh, and uh, some of the gossip, you know, helpful gossip uh, of what's happening. We just cut off that. So I think that gets in the way too. It's more difficult for us. Yeah, I think that's that's quite a critical issue. It's all of those informal conversations, um, 
but but the relationship building things that allow people to have voice yeah. within an organization and um, what we call employee voice that idea that yeah. that you know people are noticing problems will speak up feel that they can speak up whereas yeah. in lots of formal situations they don't feel like they can or they don't feel that that they want to be vulnerable by doing that by kind of putting their head above the parapet and i think that causes yeah. all sorts of problems exactly and if I, I may add another point from a colleague john higgins who wrote the book uh, speaking truth to power they've done research john and megan and they found out that managers are actually scarier than they think uh, <laughs> so uh, managers are not aware that yep. they may feel or believe that they are accessible very open and people are very happy to talk to them but in reality people are actually cons are concerned about hierarchy are finding it difficult to form those relationships so i mean that's another big area yes yeah, gets in the way yeah, particularly when a manager has power over kind of hiring you, yeah. firing you, promoting you and things like that, you know, and, exactly. and, and managers and leaders tend to forget this. And I do remember a situation where I was in a large organization, we'd done 360 degree feedback for all of the yeah. top team. And there was one of the, the, the managers who was feared by everybody. And it was my job to go and give him feedback about what everybody else thought about him. And um, he said, what I want is I want, I want a report. Um, I want to read the report and then we can have a conversation. I said, yeah, sure, fine. So I gave him the report. And then when we sat down finally to read it, he, he pushed the report back across the desk at me and said, I wouldn't work for somebody like that. <laughs> I said, okay. He said, it must be wrong. <laughs> I said, okay, right. Is, is that where we're starting? So, and it's that, yeah. The, there's that differential between how we perceive ourselves yes. as managers and leaders yeah. and how other how as others perceive us and it's, yeah. th there was an interesting and i was i'm trying mm. to think what it was in now i was reading something this last week and that basically what mm -hmm. they were saying was um you know communication is is on the terms of the listener right Full stop right right you know, it's not from your terms it's their terms it's yes. their background the way that they see things yeah. and if we can't move through that then we've got a problem which i thought yeah. was a really insightful kind of well idea really yeah well wonderful we'll talk more about it um, i'm mm. curious to develop that notion and it, it's a good point and i love your story yeah we come across <laughs> over the years <laughs> similar <laughs> yeah. anecdotes if you know what i mean yes i bet yes absolutely so so in the book, you talk about four main connector types. Do you just want to talk mm. us through what they are? Sure. So uh, uh, four connector types uh, um, uh, that represent different styles, energies and motivations. So we've got a director style, which is around getting things done and keeping things on track. Facilitator style, which is about uh, uh, harmony and, and uh, uh, working with others and ensuring commitment to values we've got uh, the the specialist which uh, this is about quality and data and the innovator which uh, is around renewing the group with new ideas um, interestingly uh, writing the book Tammy is an innovator uh, and I'm a combination of facilitator and director uh, and that 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 was very difficult because <laughs> I was very keen to finish the the chapters on time with the deadline with the publisher, and Tammy will always have new ideas, <laughs> <laughs> and it drove us mad. You know, it was it was, and we write about it in the book on how we had to overcome not just siblings uh, a relationship but also got different connector types as well. Uh, the good thing about it, if you manage to hold the difference, then you have a wonderful product uh, of, of the combo of uh, the innovator with great ideas, the director, facilitator who helps get things done and, 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 and the harmony that comes with it. And I think, I think that's, uh, that's key to, to types, to connect types that we try and get the most out of 
group of different people. So by holding the difference, you mean respecting the difference between us in terms of the connector types? Exactly. So respecting, uh, not necessarily agreeing, uh, but respecting, willing to listen. Mm-hmm. And I had to bite my tongue at times. <laughs> and Tammy is also my, my the older sister, so I had to be uh. appreciative of that too. <laughs> so that was uh, in play as well. But I, 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 I had to um, be aware of my connected type, but at the same time to uh, be mindful of it and open up to to the what the innovator has to say because they have great ideas and directors as also will you know want to close very quickly so i i need to i had to step back uh, listen open up respect the ideas explore them you know with tammy uh, and and vice versa she had to respect that there were di- deadlines and so on there was that kind of uh, movement and flex uh, between uh, each other but I have experienced the power of it absolutely when it works when you work across those differences the product the final product is, is better and you get the most of everyone but not easy not easy to do now I th- it strikes me that there's kind of two uh, two things in this uh, um, to do with the connectors one is understanding other people's you know being able to categorize people and understanding other people's connector types but the other the other side is that self-awareness of my own connector type and what that what the impact of that is in the way that I go about yep. doing things. Absolutely. And and that you've summarized that. That's that's what it's uh, all about, understanding ourselves and how it impacts others. Uh, this is key for effective communication connections. It's, it's the cornerstone. Uh, for us uh, those two elements which is which is one of the issues going back to the conversation that we were having about leaders this yeah. this whole idea of self-awareness and understanding the impact that we're having quite often is um maybe not uppermost in their minds so we say <laughs> no no and what, what we've been seeing with covid as well is is leaders perhaps not aware of the stress that they're carrying as well. So a director may not be realizing the pressure that they are putting on others as the leader managers, the stress, the constant tasks, focus on tasks, getting things done can can cause uh, mental health issues, burnout to others. They may not be aware of that. Equally, being a facilitator can cause pressure by um, not making decisions and being too pleasing that that's that can be pressure stress for the team and as you said or, or a strong innovator we're doing this work you know yesterday with a group with a strong leader who is an innovator not aware at times of the pressure that new ideas you know especially when he's on holiday you know when He's back. Everyone is embracing themselves <laughs> for this <laughs> flurry of <laughs> new ideas, you know, not realizing the, the pressure, the stress it will cause. So, yes. And also the thing that you said right at the start of that was this not understanding that the pressure that the leader themselves is under and the stress that the leader themselves yes. is under and how that's yeah. creating problems as well. Um, and and uh, th- there was a survey that I was re- reading recently about burnout and the number yeah. of people with with burnout that isn't diagnosed that they don't even recognize it themselves is is epidemic yeah yeah well it's, it's probably the other virus isn't it that we're uh, we're seeing in the workplace but burnout and stress we're, we're probably mm. now having you know, post-pandemic, working towards yeah. uh, some this new reality or normal, whatever that is, I think we will need to um, work through that. There will be mm. lots of issues around stress, burnout, and, and also lack of routine. Millions lost their daily routine by 
working from home and all the rest. Of it. So there, there are massive mental health issues that are waiting for us and it's not going to be easy. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's work that we will, uh, as OD professionals, mm. we will need to attend to, I think, with leaders in the coming yes. months or so, yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to see a, a, a lot more research coming through on a daily basis around stress yeah. and burnout as a result of COVID. There's quite a few researchers have kind of yeah. realized and got onto this and there's some really useful, really useful yeah. research coming out of that. Yeah. Um, can we just go back to the, 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 the connector types for a second? Um, where did they come from and what are they based on? Right, so uh, Tammy and I looked at the best of personality tests that we, we, we've come across both in a clinical setting and organizational setting. And uh, we've put a questionnaire that is, uh, uh, we believe is easier to use. It takes five, 10 minutes to do. Uh, we relied also on our own observations and we asked the ASHRAE test unit to help us put together. Uh, we used 500 responses, did all the reliability and validity that is around testing. But the, the key in here was we thought that we we want to um, introduce something that is uh, valid, reliable, and easy to use. The, the language of it will be kind of helpful and applied. That was on our minds. Yeah, it certainly does that. And and it's it's a very readable book. Um, in, in the book, you talk about five, kind of five ways that we tend to sabotage our connections with other people. Um, and I particularly like that section. Um, can you just talk us through some of the ways that we sabotage, sabotage our relationships, usually unknowingly? Sure. So we it's mainly fears. So we fear that we may be wrong, fears we may not be liked. Uh, fears that we don't have all the data, for example. So, so fears is a big part of it. Uh, also, there's, there is a large amount of research on that our brains make cognitive errors. Uh, I will not go into all of that, but, but clearly we, we are not as rational as we think in how we, we view the world. So there are many cognitive errors that, that get in the way and sabotage relationship. We also assume that we are alike. So we, we think that somebody will be like us. <laughs> and that's also a big mistake. And we also attribute, uh, um, if we are late, we put it down to circumstances. But if somebody's other, someone else is late, we attribute it to their personality. So that, that's another difficulty that gets in the way. We, we, we base decisions on very limited information. And, and that's a concern and, and, and we get stuck. We, I talk about the connected types. We have our ways and habits of doing things and, and those can be very helpful and useful, bring us success, but they can also completely derail us, get us into very bad places. And, and also uh, we make mistakes uh, through sticking to our patterns. Yes, yeah, and, and, and quite often they end up sabotaging the actual relationship yeah um yeah and and that awareness of what's going on and how that's how that's working can really help to well the word you use is resolved in fact you have um a resolve model um can you just give a quick overview of the resolve model uh, the resolve model is, is is something we've uh, designed based on our own experience of high stakes negotiations or relationships. And there are seven tools that you can use if you are in, in one. It starts with the R, which is realized reality, realized reality. And, and I think in this present context, in our virtual uh, and remote working, it's very easy to get lost and to feel that people may not be interested in our views, that this person doesn't want to want to collaborate. We, 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 dis we call that in the book, we go on a virtual tour. <laughs> we make up a story and, and, and I think realizing what is real is very important. So that's one powerful tool. The, the other one is establishing boundaries, the E. Establishing boundaries, very key, what our red lines, what we will do or not do. We notice in COVID people are working long hours, maybe worried about their jobs, but we would still encourage people to put red lines and boundaries to what they do. 
important key to any relationship uh, um, with anyone. And six support, interestingly, uh, very talented people, high performing uh, individuals, uh, don't know how to seek help. I've seen that over the years. I don't know what's your experience, David, but it's, it's, it's been uh, something we've come across uh, in, in our work over the years. When in trouble, the tendency is even to go more deeper into self, where really what you need is to seek support. Have somebody on your side to discuss, whether it's a mentor, supervisor, a buddy. Um, very key to give you perspective to you know uh, um, support you uh, maybe challenge you as well but to have somebody and, and to seek support so that's the third tool and they're always about owning your part so we we've found out that in those tough negotiations difficult relationship we we don't do enough of owning what we've done so you know, saying, you know, in this occasion, I was wrong, I should have said that, or I, I uh, made this mistake. Owning your part in a relationship can really free up the connection, the relationship, change the dynamics and so on. So owning your part is, is, is a very important uh, area uh, to uh, tool to use. Listening, and we, we've mentioned listening, how important that, that's the L, and, and validating is the V, validate. Uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey, I, I don't know if it's a good name to use at the moment, but Oprah talks <laughs> <laughs> after doing uh, 30,000 interviews, you know, uh, along the years. She says that the number one thing that people are, um, uh, people want is validation, validation of emotions and so on, that, that, that matches our experience as well. So validating the other person doesn't cost us anything. It's a very helpful thing to move a relationship that is stuck or help it get unstuck. Uh, so validating emotions and also knowing the evolve, which is moving to the next step, knowing when you actually need to move on and, uh, and, and uh, to the next level. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a really useful model, and th th there's a couple of things in there. I'll just pull out before we kind of mm. move on. Um, th that idea about seeking help, I think there's uh, that's been something I've been particularly bad at, but I think a lot of people do, and I think there's this idea that we. I, th I think some of it may be gender based, um, yes. and there's some evidence for that. There's been quite a lot of research showing that men, particularly, are very bad at asking for help. Um, particularly when they're in emotional trouble, they feel it's a sign of weakness. Um, and uh, and given that the majority of leaders tend to be male, uh, unfortunately, um, mm. that becomes a bit of a problem. And the idea mm. of, of validating the other, um, and quite often that validation is, is actually through um, the, the, the previous letter, which is listening and by active listening. Um, mm. And and that that's important as well. I, yeah, I love the model. I think it's great. Um, I'm just going to skip on a little bit now um, yeah. to one of the other chapters, uh, chapter seven, uh, uh, the chapter about seven ways for creating positive connections. Um, and there, there's a couple of things um, I would like to look at, if I may. Um, the first is in the section about commitment and level of value. There's an interesting exercise for determining how valuable a relationship is. So what recommendations do you have for working out the value of a relationship, given, as you state earlier, that we're apt to jump to conclusions <laughs> rather quickly and, and that many of those conclusions about others tend to be biased? So that's a great question and it, it is problematic. Absolutely agree. So. Uh, I think what we should do is learn our biases, you know, so be mindful of the judgments we make and the patterns we get into around race, around gender, all of those, really be careful and study those and be mindful of those and then challenge ourselves on those assumptions. And the other thing we could do is ask others as well. So not, not just rely on our own perception, which can be 
wrong mostly it's wrong <laughs> in many cases <laughs> yeah <laughs> so asking others for feedback on, on another person uh, what they like so just get another perspective is, is, is very helpful yeah great and you, you've got a, a a really nice model for rebuilding broken trust and this is one of the issues quite often we end up with broken trust either because the other person's broken the trust or we've done that by some action or other um what, what you've called the 4a models uh, the 4a model do you just want to give us a kind of a quick overview of that model i think it's really useful so the first step is to acknowledge if trust is broken, is, is, is you, you cannot move on unless you fully acknowledge what has happened, and that's key. And after you do that, uh, uh, you need to apologize. And that's hard for us too, because when I talk about apologizing, is is wholeheartedly apologize, not halfway, like saying, um, it's my fault and you did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. I mean, like a genuine apology that uh, that connects with the other person's feelings and genuinely uh, acknowledges uh, what has happened. So, apologize uh, is the second part, and and then the third part, which I think is so important, we usually miss on that, is amend. So, not stop at the apology, but show with actions uh, that you uh, are interested in amending, do things in, in, in that uh, direction so the other person can see in a very tangible way that you mean uh, changing behaviors that you understand and that you, you're acting on it. And, and of course, that builds to if you get there, which, which, which is not easy, again, is to build even an action plan with that person it says, you know, in the future, let's just think if we are in a similar situation, what would we do? How would we, you know, uh, agree something around that? It's it's a really nice model. I like it a lot. Um, what, what happens if it's the other person who's broken the trust? What do you suggest there? So it is difficult and yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult. Uh, but but I think the the key here is uh, to show willingness to flex. So if you hear an apology or an acknowledgement, not to stay stuck, but to listen to that and 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 be flexible enough to shift your position and uh, and also take part in the amending. So if, if the people you know, apologize, acknowledge and move into some amendments and taking actions to correct and to change. The worst thing is if you don't join, if you st stay stuck in your hurt, in your uh, uh, position, uh, rather than see the shift, encourage the shift and work with it. Not easy, not easy. Trust is, as you say, one of the most difficult things, relationships can... Uh, it's very, um, uh, it can be very hard, but I, I would definitely, from experience, I would say, it's, it's very important to learn and to notice if somebody else is willing, is to join in, not to leave them too long <laughs> and work yes. on it together, yeah. Yes, yeah, and, and refrain from blaming. And, and one of the other things that I think fits in here is that there's been quite a lot of research around how we view mistakes. Um, if it's something that we've done, we're significantly more likely to view it as a mistake if it was the wrong thing to do. Whereas if somebody else does it, we make this assumption that it was done on purpose. And there was a whole stream of really interesting, so my background's um, years and years ago as a police, and I was um, a traffic officer. And I, I kind of saw a whole stream of research around what happens in road rage incidents, which is just yeah. around this. So if, if we make a mistake on the road, um, like we push in in front of somebody or we, you know, we're going too fast and we end up braking too fast. And, right. you know, we kind of put our hand up and we were quite likely to ascribe it as being a mistake. Yeah. Whereas if somebody else does it, we make this assumption that they're an idiot and they've done it on purpose. Right, right. Absolutely. That, that, that's 
part of the complication, the messiness <laughs> of <laughs> human relationships. Uh, absolutely, totally yeah. And, agree. Yeah. and I think it's being aware of that when, um, yeah, when when yeah. it's so the people that have broken the trust. It may have just been a mistake. They may have or done something in error. Exactly. So there's so much in this book, and whilst it's not a huge tone, it's it's actually. A, a really easy read um it's packed with useful and very practical tools for developing quality relationships um and we can only scratch at the surface of such a book in an, in an interview so I'm, I'm going to skip the sections on how to connect across cultures and over generations which are really useful um to the section about connecting in a digital age because that's kind of a, a prescient thing at the moment um given the current COVID pandemic um, has bounced just about every business organization, student and individual into the digital era in a very short space of time. How does this rapid switch to digital change the process of maintaining and kind of developing trusting relationships? And what advice would you give to people who want to really connect in these kind of online times? Because I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. So COVID-19 uh, has opened up a new conversation, I think, around connection. We are being vaccinated because we want to connect, <laughs> right? And we've, uh, we're probably learning that it's, it's been more valuable than we realize. That, uh, you know, hugs, face-to-face uh, -face communication mm. is critical for our livelihoods, for our mental health, for lots of things. We are, uh, so I'm... I'm it, enjoying the fact that there is a new conversation i think around connection and and, and relationships I, I think it's very very important and in terms of what to do um a couple of ideas one is uh, to send material in advance so I, I think we should try and do more of that so the virtual a conversation is kept to a minimum. Well, like today, you send me some things to look at before, and we leave the virtual time to real conversation and, and, and connection. Uh, the other thing we know in a virtual environment that uh, emotions can be amplified. So uh, making a mistake or, or feeling anxious in a virtual world will be amplified and uh, so regulating emotions breathing and doing all those good things so uh, we, we can come across in a clear way uh, is very very important and uh, we ask people to open cameras i think that's helpful some you know at least at the start so you can at least see faces and all the rest of it and also pick up the phone uh, i think we we are missing Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the possibility of, of not doing a Zoom or uh, just calling someone and saying, oh, how did that go? Uh, what did you think of that meeting? Uh, or oh, I wanted to ask you about mm -hmm. this. So not to uh, um, uh, give up to, you know, and, and, and uh, to the Zoom fatigue fight zoom <laughs> don't fight it don't let it dominate you and pick up a phone yep. pick up the phone uh, connect don't leave relationships difficult conversations just to this medium uh, we need to do other things to uh, stay in connection yeah i think that's really good advice and in fact there's um, uh, a, a guy who owns a a company that I know um, locally here and I was talking to him the other day and what he started doing is he and he, it is he just picks up the phone he f he's phoning all of the remote employees and he's just having a conversation and it's just he's just saying I'm just phoning this isn't about work I don't want to talk about yeah. work I just want to know how you're doing how it's going for you and is there anything that we can do to make this easier and and he's saying that he's learning so much about the people that he that are working for him and and that it's what that's kind of developing is a real a stronger bond between them yeah so that's a fabulous example david and he just uh, for me it summarizes a lot of what the book is about 
this act of showing interest in the whole person is, is superb and so important. And uh, and in the Zoom, we lost a bit of the chit chat, right? It's yes. very transactional. So asking somebody how they are on the phone, uh, so, so that would be another tip. I would yeah. strongly agree. It's a great idea to call to also uh, ask about feelings and how people are doing uh, is a fantastic uh, habit. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I've, I've just realized something as you were talking there that one, that we do lose this kind of chit chat that goes on and that the water cooler mm. moment that you were talking about. Um, yeah. We, I was involved in a study many, many years ago um, around um, a, uh, an, an organization that had a um, a couple of set um, tea and coffee times throughout the day yeah. so there, there were a series of these and you could attend to any of them just to meet up with other people and one of the things that we found was that um, it's the stories that make mm. the difference that we're you know we already know that our brains are kind of pre-programmed for stories mm. and it's just enabling those stories to come out and there can be stories not about work but other things that then become mm. the connectors we tend to connect through stories which sure. is why the news for example isn't just a bullet point of the news that's happened today they send some yeah. poor hack out into the rain and the dark yeah in order to tell a story because we connect through stories and i, th I, th I think we it's one of the things that I teach the lecturers at the university is yeah. that we miss out a lot if we don't, if we're not engaging in their stories and they're not engaging in our stories. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. So I'm going to ask a really horrible question here. Now. <laughs> this is a really horrible thing to do. So somebody who's written a book, um, but if there are just three things that people can start doing right now to develop better relationships, I'm asking you to summarize the whole book into three things, mm. but uh, what would they be? So I would uh, start with defining what is it that I need to do uh, in terms of relationship. And that will differ between individuals. Some people need to speak up, become a bit more assertive with others. Uh, some people need to listen more. Uh, some people need to show more vulnerability. We talked about that earlier. So defining what is it for you that um, you need to do more of, I think that will help. And the second thing is to take baby steps, is to try something from the book, something from this, uh, from your, um, your learning edge or your development try out a couple of things and see the impact of that. So do, don't leave it theoretical, have a go at something. And also, uh, you know, uh, have a friend that will help you. So a buddy that can give you feedback and support you on that process, because it's not easy. When we are embarking on this journey of trying to change our behaviors, transform our relationships, we need feedback. So. Yes, most definitely. And and the more honest, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. That's really good. Thank you. Um, so on to mm. the last question, really. Um, at one stage in the book, where you're discussing the five ways we sabotage our connections um, to others, you state that understanding others is a powerful tool, but also a tall order. So my, my question is this. Now, there's an awful lot in the book um, and the, the, the fascinating research and background to human interaction, the types of people, communicators, the elements of resolve, the tools or the techniques. Now, people are busy and it strikes me that what is in this book is more than just knowledge. It's a kind of a set of attitudes, values and skills that need to be developed over time. And I just wondered what advice you have for people um, about how to use what's in the book in order to develop into a, a, a more confident and competent connector. So uh, I, I will, uh, the book has three parts. Uh, the first part is about connector types and assessing your uh, relationship, the quality of your relationship and connectivity. So if you are interested 
in improving your self-awareness and understanding how others behave and how they connect. The first part is really helpful uh, to dive into and, uh, and work through it. If you are uh, in a high stakes situation and stuck and feeling concerned, you can use the second part, which is the resolve model and how to create environments of trust around you. So uh, you can uh, use, you know, part two. Uh, and uh, part three is around cultures, uh, in communicating across ages. I recently, I have a teenager here at home, so I dipped into the, the communicating across ages to try and resolve something between us. It's still work in progress. I'm, I hope <laughs> we will get through it. Uh, um, Good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and also there's a chapter on, on, on digital working in, in a digital work, world, which we've touched on. So, different parts you can dip into particular sections depending on your needs yeah yeah so so basically what you're saying is is find the area that's most pressing for you at the moment and yeah. start there and then build out from there that's excellent yeah. thank yeah. you um just as you came on um i noticed so your book's been shortlisted for a couple of awards do you just want to tell us what they are Right, so we're very proud uh, that the book has been shortlisted for the Chartered Management Institute Book Award of the Year. And uh, there's um, uh, also another uh, award, uh, it's the Business Book Awards, and we've been shortlisted for both. So that's Excellent. been recent. Yeah. A joy yeah. for my dad, he's very pleased. <laughs> hey, well, well deserved as well it's yeah. a really good book so thank, uh, thank you. you so much guy if if people want to connect with you what what are the best ways of doing so so best ways through linkedin and i would love to hear any comments suggestions feedback uh, i'm on linkedin uh, guy lubich uh, is uh, as i was saying my name and and i would love to hear from anyone who's interested uh, yeah. to discuss and share more around this topic Fantastic. Thank you, Guy. Um, what I'll do is in the show notes is I'll put all the links. I'll put a link to the book. I'll put a link to your um, LinkedIn profile and, and things like that. Great. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. listening to the Oxford Review podcast. For free research briefings, audio and video research briefings, research infographics and a whole lot more, visit oxford-review.com. That's oxford hyphen or dash review.com and please subscribe rate and review this podcast it would mean a lot to us to have your feedback so that we can make this podcast even better for you mm -hmm.